0: Well, thank you for being here, Catherine. I'm so excited to speak to you and ask you a ton of questions and, and learn and uh, just coming into this with an open heart as I did when we first met. And um, I just love your, your energy and your spirit. And it's no wonder they call you the Rockstar Whisperer.
1: Oh, I, I loved our first call. You you know, you have those calls and you're like, oh, one of my people.
0: <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to find our people. Uh, yeah, I want to actually talk to you about that because I saw a video of you and, and the eclectic crowds that you hang out with at your beautiful home and, and the synergies between people that wouldn't normally get to meet otherwise, yeah. you know, it's, I guess all of us grew up feeling a little awkward or, or not accepted. And then you start meeting people that are just like you and you feel like, wow, you know, is that one of your gifts is bringing great spirits together?
1: It's it's definitely one of my passions. Um, And, you know, I feel like everyone feels different degrees of other, you know, there's people who have like a really real other based on this country and the way it's set up and all kinds of prejudices and community lines and, you know, all that. And then there's just, you know, human condition like even when a whole bunch of stuff's going right for people, you know, they can feel other and awkward in certain ways. And I know that I was six foot six feet tall when I was starting sixth grade, which just felt like being an alien. And we lived in a, in an area where it was like pretty uh blue collar kind of Michigan vibe i
0: was gonna say milford michigan
1: yeah but then we there were a couple there are lakes out there so then like you know there were people that had money you know so my school would be like kids who were either broke you know and and everybody called them white trash and you know we were sort of in, in in that in between that world and then there were like rich kids whose parents lived on big fancy lakes and had houses and you know so you always felt like not cool enough. And my family, we didn't have money like that. So I was like, always kind of like, I'm so tall. I don't have like the coolest, you know, I had to like save up and wait to get Jordache jeans or whatever, you know, like, just this awkwardness. But as I left there, I always knew I wanted to leave there. I saw Flashdance when I was 12. And that movie changed my life. And I was like, Oh, she welds. And she reads French Vogue. And she's like this cool dancer who cuts all her clothes up and just sort of has her whole new look and she's sexy and she's like smart and a badass. And I was really like taken with it. And, um, and, you know, as soon as I could, I left and moved to a city. And uh, to, to your question, I just love putting people together because when you put people together, especially people who aren't in the same world, really cool conversations and doors open up, you know? So, like I'm even, I was just looking at my Thanksgiving list of who's coming over and I'm like, okay, we have a CDC doctor, we have a filmmaker, a musician, we have a Detroit public school, um, special ed teacher, we have a rock star, we have a horse trainer, we have a tattoo artist, you know, like it's, it's so, it's always Super like cool fun to like throw people in there and just like what gets talked about.
0: Hopefully, yeah, hopefully religion and politics.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. In my house, I grew up in a house where, like, don't talk about religion and politics. In my house, it's like, let's talk about religion and politics.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and um, how how did you go from that, from Michigan, being a waitress, single mom, of two boys, and finding yourself? Because when I, when I met you, you're so comfortable in your own skin. You seem to have figured it out. You know, whether it's building, a, you know, a PR empire to being, you know, working with top, top celebrities and rock stars you seem very comfortable in your own skin where does that come from
1: it come well it's funny this is probably could be a whole show in itself um the it start. so do you know who dr joe Dispenza is i do i just sort of discovered him recently and i went to a, a one day retreat yesterday i was lucky enough to be invited to that and i've just sort of started to look at his whole thing and quantum physics and manifesting and i you know Mm -hmm. I won't go too far down there because I don't even know that much yet. I'm very new in it, like a weekend. But as I was listening to the stuff, I was like, oh, I already did this. I've, I've been doing this my whole life and I just didn't realize that it was like a thing. And I think it came out of imagination and fantasy because there were periods of my childhood where it wasn't good, you know. I didn't know who my father was and the dad I had had a really bad alcohol problem and we were always getting left. And then sometimes it was like, how are we going to keep our house and the cars all got taken away and mom had to be a bartender at night and a secretary during the day, you know, and it was always like, and then when he was home, there was a lot of drunken, you know, so it was, I tuned out a lot. And the way I tuned out was in fantasy and in imagination. And I, I had such goals in my head and I really felt it, like I, I felt it so much that I think it almost seemed like it was real, like it was already happening. You know, my my future life. I wasn't like, oh, how am I ever going to get out of here? I was like, man, I can't wait until I live in a city and I got a loft hut. I start my own company. Like I was so believed it as my escapism that I didn't realize, according to Joe Dispenza and, and other manifestors, if you you know pay attention to lots of that cool stuff is you have to have the intention and then you have to have the passion, like the, the actual emotion to actually shift the energy so that you actually attract, if you believe in quantum physics, the actual thing. So I was like, oh, that is that is how I got there. But also living in fantasy and checking out of pain creates bad things. So on the, on the building your life tip, I've always been able to manifest. Like I would have a, an idea and a passion and then I would just go and I would kind of relentlessly try to get there and do whatever I had to do, which if it meant learn wine and become a waitress just to support yourself while you're trying to make this dream happen and work, you know, 60 hours a week. Okay. You know, like, like you, I could do all that, but the fantasy also kept me out of myself and my real feelings. And so I have, you know, I consider myself, um, a a recovered sex and love addict where I, through all that fantasy, also then couldn't attach properly in real relationships and would be, you know, fast and furious with love and then be like, oh, I'm in this. I don't know what to do. I got to get out. I got to shut it down. And, you know, kind of this long pattern of going through love relationships because I couldn't properly attach. And that was a byproduct of not dealing with my emotions and living in fantasy. So it was kind of a double edged sword. Like it got me successful, I guess, meaning I got out of. A small place that was hard and built this big career. But then my emotional life was quite chaotic and I had to do a shit ton of work in therapy, shaman, 12-step program for attachment, um, attachment theory, like you know, plant medicine. I did this, I've been doing this, you know, really I've been 20, 25 years on that path, but only the last like five years have I gone in deep on the attachment issues. And the, that kind of work. So now I actually do really feel comfortable in my skin for the first time and really like in a great place. So my company's 25 years old. And yes, I built that and, and have had a good run of that. But only when I started to do that, like deep, deep, deep inner work and beyond just therapy in the last five years is when I feel like I actually am comfortable in my skin now.
0: It's amazing. I think Jim Rohn said it that you have to invest more in yourself than you do your job.
1: Oh, it's like if people don't at give themselves any at time. Honestly, yeah, they don't. Like most people, you know, I'm a life coach now and a relationship coach, and so I, I run my company, Biz Three. But I I have packed my time around that as much as I can. You know, with a pretty thriving career now as a coach, and. um you know, I always ask people, you know, people are so stressed out and they're not getting what they want. They don't understand why they're not getting what they want. And it's like, well, you don't spend any time on you, right? Like, you don't manifest anything, you know, your energy is so off. I'm surprised you do have what you do have, you know, I can't believe how much you can't even get people to give themselves an hour a day, 24 hours in a day. And you ask people, please, let's, let's get a morning routine going for one hour. Maybe you get up an hour earlier. It's just you meditation morning page, maybe whatever it is that's going to like help you kind of connect to like, how do I feel? How, how am I, you know, like that's Check a pretty thing. And they just can't do it. Oh, I got all these emails. I'm like, we'll get up earlier. Don't look at them. <laughs> like does everybody in the world know your wake time? Like that tells me you have no boundaries, right? Boundary people with no boundaries. I just, I feel for them. I feel like they're in constant chaos. They're, they're on a constant, like, like a pager system to the world, you know? And, and then there's no like real joy. It's like, cool. You built a big business. But if you get hit tomorrow on your deathbed, are you like, I'm filled with joy and I really, really love my life and I have no regrets. Yeah.
0: How do do you, coming from Michigan and, and the way you described it, humble beginnings, how, what was your relationship with money and abundance? And like, when you have a massive PR company in Chicago, I mean, you know, there the, there has to be a part of that where you're, you know, there's a bit of the imposter syndrome or like, how do you accept your success?
1: We woke up always, my parents were not good with money. Um, there was zero savings. I mean, zero, you know, my mom, when my dad died, all of a sudden this house that they spent all their life trying to pay build, you know, whatever, we had to sell it. And I wasn't making money then, so I couldn't help save it. Um, I was super broke. So I'm sad because only a few years later I could have helped, um, you know, and always just living like government check to government check. So she, you know, like just know, and I, as a child, um, God bless my mom. And she is a huge reason why I do have the drive I have and who I am. So I'm really thankful for her, but one of her strong suits was not money. And um, she, a, as a child, there was a lot of mismanagement of money. So I used to wake up, I have memories of getting up in the middle of the night or like when she was already asleep and I'd go in her purse and I would take out her checkbook and I would look at, I'd count the checks to see which ones she forgot to record. And then I would fill in her check record. And then in the morning I'd remind her, you forgot to put in, you know, $15 at Hilltop Party Store. That's what we call liquor stores in Michigan, party store. And Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause then we'd get bills shut off or we wouldn't be, you know, we would return bottles to get gas. And so I was at a very young age, like felt in charge or like not in charge, but concerned about money. So I've always been really, um, I save money. Like even, even yesterday I was thinking, well, if this three ever didn't work out, I could just start a cleaning company really quickly and I could have me cleaning, but I could have like four or five people. Cause I cleaned houses all through college and, um, and I was telling this to someone at this Joe Dispenza thing, and they're like, I feel like you're good. Like, you're 25 years in. I don't think this three is going to all of a sudden go away, and you're going to have to go back to cleaning houses, you know? Right. But in my brain, it's always like, don't take it for granted. Like, don't waste money. I I, I work with a lot of young people who get famous and rich quickly, mm-hmm. and I have a long history of, you know, especially with my rap kids, like, when they're not famous and they just start making, I'm like, all right here's the deal. You have to, the first bit of money you get, please start buying houses, like buy small house, like whatever, like do not rent, stop renting these big houses. I called one of my rappers once and I was like, I know this is none of my business, but you know, you and I are close. Like, do you have any idea how much you spend on private jets? Like, do you realize like if your career doesn't thrive in a few years, like you could have had every private jet would buy you another house or apartment in the city you're from wow like i'm not saying you don't have you know stop if that's your vibe but i just think you should be aware and he's like i never even thought like i should who do i am like you have a business manager you should know them look at their reports every month like look at what you're spending i don't know if you think the label's paying for this or whatever so i'm always very pragmatic my children you know even though now i have means like we don't buy them things in between christmas and birthdays like my kid really wanted this airsoft gun, which I'm like not into airsoft anyway, but it's $300. I'm like, cool, figure it out. You're 12, figure it out. You know, and he did. He hustled. He, he asked people for jobs, he, he, whatever he had to do. You know, I, I think one of the worst things you can do when you do make money is give your kids a bunch of crap and right. they should start trying to hustle and earn or else they're going to be really like struggling when they're older and feeling like, what's my purpose?
0: Yeah. My nine year old said to me the other day from the back seat, he's like, Papa, can you co sign a contract so I can open a business and officially be an entrepreneur? And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. God bless you, man. Yeah. I just hope that he's always that free in his thinking and just, you know, doesn't get crippled like I did with limiting beliefs, you know, like uh and I and I can see your kids are free, free spirits, you know, brought up uh by a soulful artist and uh I think that's just so brilliant. And and those are the those are the leaders of the future.
1: Well, and it's like giving kids and thank you for saying that. And their dad is amazing. Um and a, an amazing creative and it's like just don't spoil your kids. Like it just doesn't doesn't matter if you have money or don't have money when you when you buy them everything, it really uh it, it cripples their their ability to kind of do that and have like financial responsibility skills in the future. And you know, like my kid's working at a pizza place. He's he's an artist, but he's working at this pizza place. And like we had to go get basketball shoes for basketball season, which normally I would buy things like that, like sports equipment or whatever, like as a mom, you know, you, you do that. And he's like, I got it, you know, and he you know, when he made a bunch of money in music this year on a crypto site, you know, this 16 year old this is last year made, you know, like $18,000 in one weekend on a song. And I'm like, wow. And. He paid for his own stuff and he bought his brother his Christmas presents. And, you know, it's like, you know, and then he also lost all the money. And it's like, well, now, you know,
0: there's a lesson.
1: (laughs) And he's like, I'm never doing that again. He's like, what should I do? And I was like, save, invest. You know, I started by building buildings because in Chicago, back in the day, you could. And I was a waitress. And I found out I did some research. And I don't even know how I did this research because Google wasn't really around, (laughs) around. so I'm not even sure how I did this. I can't remember. But I found out that if you got a government loan, you could put only like three or $4,000 down. Wow. But then you have a 9.5% rate, which is insane. You know, but I did that. And I waitressed and I used my tips to pay the mortgage until I got the place rehabbed. And I rehabbed it myself with a Home Depot book, because we didn't have the internet back then. So I couldn't YouTube how to like put, you know, flooring down or how to like, tuck point of brick wall or whatever all the stuff I did. So I had this Home Depot book that I would just like study, do it, screw it up all the time. I had so many things that I did. I one time I, I wanted to make this the, a, a room in this loft, a, a giant bath shower, and I poured cement and I tiled it all and I did this whole like sick bathroom and 2 days later it fell into the basement. Like the whole room fell into the basement. What? And then I had to like, I had no money, so I had to save up a bunch of tips to pay this guy to help me like lift, the, like re you know, rebuild the floor, get all, you know, it was like, so it was like this real trial and error kind of shit show it was the most stressful time of my life. Nothing was more stressful than that, but I figured it out and then I bought another one and then I bought another one, you know, and then, like, you know, brilliant. it's a snowball. You got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. Artists having that, that, that was, I had, that was my greatest gift was. I had a mentor who forced me to buy property in my twenties resist. I just resisted with like all every cell in my body. Like how I don't work. I'm an artist. I can't, you know, how am I going to pay the mortgage? And he said, um, passive income, you know, make sure you rent out the units and they'll pay your mortgage and slowly, slowly. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing when you can, when you have mentors that that can teach you that.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately I didn't have any mentors in that, that realm. I really sometimes kind of wish I could go back and check in on that girl who made that decision because I truly don't know why I decided to do that. But I do know one thing, you know, I I never was I've never been afraid of the unknown and that kind of stuff. Meaning I remember my husband back then, my ex-husband would be like, well, we don't know how to do that. And I'm like, so what? We'll figure it out. Or, well, you can't do that. You've never done. I'm like, well, we'll figure it out. And that came from my mom. You know, this lady right here. Marge Frazier up on the wall. Oh my gosh. She was like, <laughs> she, everything she did was like, I'm going to, you know, she would like build something in her house and she would just go to the hardware store and start buying stuff and just like, she just would try anything or do anything. And it's amazing. You know, she was always like, you know, if you think you can do it, then you can do it, you know? And that's definitely got imparted on me. And it was the best gift she could have ever given me. Cause I was not afraid to go and screw this house up. And I did it and I was afraid, oh my God, how am I going to pay for this mortgage when I'm making no money on my company biz three and I'm a waitress, but I'll figure it out. There's some trust in the universe that you got to just, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know,
0: it tests your faith too in yourself and in in the universe, God, whatever. Uh, There's a lot of letting go in that.
1: There's a muscle memory to this stuff too. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So me doing that, which felt like kind of nuts to all the people around me, like, what the hell do you know about this? And you have no money. Okay. This sounds like a bad idea. And so I did it and it was hard and it was very stressful, but I did do it. And over the course of, it took about a year to kind of regulate where I felt like, okay, I'm not going to lose everything here. And once you do that, that's like building up a muscle. That's like, okay, now I can do, okay, I, I can do this, you know? It could be something big like that, or it can be, I do a lot of coaching around people asking for what they want or what they need, because there's a lot of people who don't speak what they need and then they kind of feel like they never get, you know, it's simple. If you don't ask, you're not going to get, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, sometimes it's flexing that muscle. Like if you do that a couple of times, you're like, oh, I know how to ask for what I want. Okay. I, I've got some muscle coming here on that. I'm I'm going to start doing that. So it can be a big thing. Like starting a company or buying a building when you don't really have any money, <laughs> you know. And I mean, obviously, I had enough money that I came up with the. I think it was three thousand eight hundred eighty-eight dollars was the down payment through this government loan. If I tried to buy it regularly, I couldn't have. Like, I, I don't, I didn't have twenty percent of whatever that was. So, yeah. Um, but so it can be big things, or it can just be smaller things. Like, I want to tell my mom I don't want to come for the holidays, and every year I don't do it, and I go and I feel bad, and you know, like. You know, it's, it's just, it's all muscle memory stuff that you just have to build up. And after you do it a couple of times, you give yourself trust and faith and then you do it a little more and then you do it a little bigger and it's this snowball.
0: Yeah. It's also knowing when to say no. That's, I struggle with that. It's like when, when something doesn't feel right, you know, it's, it's like, just go with your gut.
1: Go with your gut is so important. I learned some somatic work and then I started doing it and I've even done it with my kids sometimes. Something as simple as like your kid could be like, there's two birthday parties on Saturday. I don't know which one to go to. And they're all like little kids stressed out. Mm -hmm. You're like, shut your eyes. Picture your body from your hips to the top of your head. You're inside your body. I want you to think about going to, you know, Mike's birthday party. Just picture it. Picture a movie in your head for a minute. And when you're picturing it, what do you see? Like, where are you at in your body? Like, where inside your body are you? Oh, I'm in my stomach. What color is it? Oh, it's dark. Is it a feeling? Yeah, it's kind of tight. Okay. So do you want to go to Mike's party? No.
0: (laughs) Super clear.
1: Like you have your own answers. Yeah. You know, but again, back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, if you don't check in with yourself, if you wake up, you check the phone, you get up, Oh, I gotta hurry up, I'm going to the gym, go to the gym, which is good to do, but like, you go to the gym. Oh, I got all these calls, all these calls, all these calls. Oh, as soon as I'm done, I have this dinner, I'm having these drinks. Oh, I want to make sure I watch this show. I got to watch one more episode. Oh, I gotta look at Instagram for 20 minutes before bed. Oh nope, now it's been forty-five. Oh shit, now I'm tired. I have to go to bed. Oh, get up. Oh god. And you just do that. When in the day did you check in with yourself? Right. Like when did you figure out how you feel when you're so packed up?
0: It's so important. Self awareness. Like wow. It's it's everything.
1: It is everything.
0: How um so then why we talked about abundance and money. Like you you've worked with some, you know. Incredibly successful rock stars, they to the outside world, to a young artist on Instagram, it's like, wow, that is the life. I want that life, and yet they're unfulfilled, or they're unhappy, or they're in rehab, or they're. Why is that,
1: in your opinion? Cause money doesn't fucking matter, is why. It just it it matters. Yes, you have to live, and you have to, you know, if if you need, have a job, you need to have a car to get there. You need a house, but I think a lot of people want this excess money they want like like money where there's just like this extraordinary amount of stuff happening and it just doesn't bring you happiness like it's 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 the most cliche like money doesn't bring happiness and that's one of the most true um adages or Mm -hmm. cliche you know it's the only thing that brings you happiness is self-love and fulfillment right like i know people who are rock stars making millions of dollars, getting laid by the hottest models around, like everything is going their way. Okay. The technic- you know, on the surface, right? Yeah. And they're, they're just in pain and that's why they drink or do drugs or smoke so much weed or lean is sort of the new heroin in a lot of the music culture that I work in. And it's just this checkout, you know, and there's a lot to be said of like, at least, there's, there's some people I work with in music who are quite well known, who are really on the path, you know, like have done therapy, have looked at like what hurts them, you know, do more spiritual work, um, you know, realize like what I put in my body affects my mood and, and alters my state, Mm -hmm. you know, the food I eat, do I drink water? I had a a rapper that stayed with me one time who, um, who I love and, Stayed at our house for a while, while. I was making a record, and I noticed he didn't drink water.
0: Wow, something so simple.
1: I was like, "What?" You know, I noticed. Like, t- tell me what you drink each day. Is like, because he would get up and drink like those big iced teas, and I'm like, "This has like 68 grams of sugar." It's like, I'm not fat. I'm like, "Oh, it's not about fat. Sugar eats your cells. Like, sugar is cancer causing. Like, you know, you know, some people are like, no, she's wrong. That's not. Tr-. But I believe that to be true, and so do a lot of others. And, you know then I just realized like, you know, you don't drink water, but you have to drink water. You're made of water. And so I was like, you should try to drink like 80 ounces of water a day. And right now you have none. And so I was like, you know, just even backstage, the bottles that are, you know, try to drink eight of those. He's like, that's crazy. That's so much. I was like, when you get there, like slam one hour later, have enough, you know, like just be conscious of it and just see how you feel and let me know. And he hit me up a couple weeks later, he was on tour and he's like, Cat, I feel great. This is crazy. I feel good. (laughs) And I was like, right. Like, if you only drink sugar, you're gonna feel bad. And then maybe to feel when you feel like bad, you might be like, I need to smoke some more weed. I just feel like shit. And I'm believe me, I'm not up here like some new age, like you should be vegan and only drink water and you know, eat seaweed. But I came from a place where all I did was drink Coke or Pepsi as a child, you know, like, I, I didn't drink. We lived where they had well water, so we didn't drink water. And it wasn't until way later we got one of those like uh, the water things. things. Yeah, um, and you know, I I spent my twenties drinking, smoking, and eating chili cheese fries and drinking Coke for breakfast on my way to my job. You know, so I I say this with love because I've been there and I've had to like fully reel it back. Right. And it, it was uh, I, actually I remember. I started dating my ex-husband and he was, he had me over and he had tofu and seaweed salad. And I was like, what the, like, I, I was like, I wasn't afraid I wasn't going to be able to eat it. I was like, Oh my God. And he, and I used to eat Tums all the time. And I said, yeah, I have a bad stomach. He goes, you don't have a bad stomach. And he took the Tums and he jumped down off the stoop in Chicago. And in the middle of the street, he wrote something. I can't remember what he wrote, but he wrote something because it's chalk. Tums are chalk. So he wrote something in the street and he's like, oh, Wow, you don't have a bad stomach, you got to change what you eat. Like, duh, you know. And he kind of got me on the path. And then once I got on the path, I was like, See ya. Like, I went full rage down the path. And the path meaning wellness, where I grew up, nobody does therapy. If you do therapy, it's embarrassing or insulting. It's insulting to your parents, it's embarrassing. Um, yeah, certainly I'd never even heard of. Shaman, nobody meditate. you know it just wasn't done, and you know, I remember even coming home a vegetarian a few years, and them all just being like, "Oh my god, how are what are we even supposed to make you you know like it was so it was such a catastrophe to have to figure out how to f- feed someone that just didn't have meat in it um but once you get down the path and you start doing the stuff, you start doing the therapy, you start doing the energy work, you start looking at yourself, you start eating differently, you know you take your fish oil or whatever, mhm your CBD and I'm mean, going to have like endless essential oil. Like, um, <laughs> the reason I do it isn't because I'm like on some tip or some wave or, you know, people kind of like shit on that movement. I'm like, mm-hmm. nobody's spending that money and time on that because they're trying to be cool. They're doing it because it makes them feel better. And the more you unpeel that onion and you feel better, you're like, Oh, okay. This stuff works. It makes sense.
0: It's a lifestyle it's definitely a lifestyle. How did you get into TM? How did you find that?
1: Back in the day, Bistri used to be in our house. And so it was one floor of our house and then we lived below it. And I had this kid whose parents run the transcendental or they're a part of the transcendental community in Fairfield, Iowa, where the Maharishi came and opened this whole university. And his parents work at the university and he grew up a kid meditating in that world and he was our intern and i'd never met a young person that was kind of so impressive as he was i was really kind of like blown away by him and his friends his friends were all like really like had this incredible energy and were already doing really interesting things in life where at 21 i was just like a drunk loser i don't even know what i was doing you know like and it's so that's a funny label i was was like with potential with potential (laughs) so I asked him, like, what's your deal? And he told me about TM. And the more he told me about it, I was, like, pretty interested in it. And so I looked it up, and I found someone in Chicago, and we learned it. And it was it was life-changing. And it, it worked from the first day. It was, like, immediate. Wow. Like, at the time, I had two very young – I had toddlers, you know, or I had a, a baby and, like, a four-year-old or whatever. And they were chaotic, and I had just gone through a divorce. So I was a single mother. So I'm alone every day now even though I had a very helpful, awesome co-parent, but he can't be there all the time. We're not a couple anymore. Right. So when you have like one year or two year old throwing a tantrum and the other, you know, and it was just chaotic and I would be, have come off work all day and I would just have this agitation and this frustration. And as soon as I did TM, I noticed that I just completely, it was like a force field and they couldn't like take me down you know, and I would stay really regulated. And the days I didn't meditate, I was back to being like, stop it. You go sit over there. Right yeah. You know, and then <laughs> days I'd meditate, I was like a little more like kid whisperer. So it was, it was pretty apparent right away that it worked.
0: How long did you do it? Like, uh, in the day, like for, for an hour, would it be in the day at night?
1: Do it twice a day for 20 minutes. Um, it's great. It's got all kinds of research about how it affects you. And, it's like getting five to seven hours of sleep i've been i remember i was um it's really great when you have jet lag i i was I had flown I had jet lag, and we were filming a video with two kind of rock star types, and it was difficult to shoot and it just wasn't going well, and everybody's energy was really crappy, and people were like heads down on the table, just like oh my god, <laughs> and I went out to the car at a rental car and i I did my twenty minute t m meditation and I came back in. And I just started to kind of like, I, I, it was like, I came in like the first thing in the morning. It was like, I, I, it was a new day or something. And the artist was like, whoa, you just like flipped the whole energy in here. You know, like I, I kind of got everybody talking like, okay, well, you know what? Let's pull our food all together. Why don't we eat all to like a family meal? You know, and like we changed the vibe because we still had another 10 hours of this video to go. And it was like 5 p.m. And everybody was over it. So, wow. you know, it was, I've t- turned a lot of artists onto it right. over the years. Um, I'm actually discovering some new meditations. So I'm, I'm kind of taking my meditation practice somewhere else right now, because I'm interested in, for example, these Joe Dispenza hour long, you know, quantum field. I, I, I want to try that and see. I tried self-realization fellowship meditation, which is a little bit, it's not mantra based. It's kind of. Tapping into the nothingness and the energy and manifest. It's a different type of meditation that I find harder because you don't get to just a mantra like I thought it's more challenging. So we'll see if I stick with it. But I'm, i am that's kind of where I'm headed right now. I want to try that.
0: Yeah. I feel like you're the expert in it. Look at what you've manifested in your life. It's it's unreal. So,
1: well, I'm trying to do more of my own heart opening because, you know, I didn't check in with myself almost my whole life you know, childhood and early adult life. So there's so much stuff stuck inside me that doesn't come out. And um, I have a really hard time crying. Um, I cry when I read the news, I cry for other people, but I I never cry for myself and I want to, and I try. And I do a whole bunch of stuff to kind of break. It's like cement stuck in you from decades of it. And as a matter of fact, at this dispenser thing yesterday, I'm sitting there next to a a rock star that had come that we used to, rep and uh you know trying to get people like them into it because they might be able to spread the word yeah um but i was doing the work and all of a sudden like i'm sweating all of a sudden my shirt is wet i i can't breathe i feel like i have like a lead blanket on my chest and like start getting panicky like what's going on like what was happening and all this pain like really throbbing pain in my body and then this nausea where i was like i'm gonna throw up and so i'm thinking am i sick oh my God, am I, do I have COVID? I was like, and I get up out of this meditation and I go and I'm just like in the bathroom, panting, soaking wet. And then I walk outside and I sobbed for like 20 minutes.
0: Wow, that's powerful.
1: I was like, I was shaking. And when I came back in, I went up to Joe Dispenza. You know, what a gift to be able to just be able to talk to the dude. Usually it's like these, he has these retreats of like thousands of people or you, you know, you just can't even go to them. Yeah. And he was like, that's amazing. That's that's your stuff getting moved. That's that's all that stuck energy. That's that's the reason I have a hip and back issue that I've gone for five years to get an MRI three or four times cat scans, sports medicine, energy workers, all of them. And they're all like they all say the same thing. There's nothing wrong with you. It's emotional. and Only I can get that moving and I can't just think it therapy is not enough. I do EMDR therapy. It's like a trauma therapy. Try to like, sometimes you got to really throw everything at it. So that's why I encourage young people to check in with yourself. Be emotionally honest. Emotionally honest means how do I feel? And then how do I express it? Do I need to talk to someone and say something to somebody? Do I need to write it out? Do I just whatever you need to do to keep the pipes clean? How do I feel? How do I like let it release? how do I feel? How do I let it release? Which I never did. I was always just back it down. And then it turns yeah. into like marble that can't be extracted. You know, it's like marble. And all I have is like a screwdriver, you know, a toothpick Right. with the marble, you know? So I'm like, I encourage kids to cry. My mom don't, Oh, he's a cry baby. Don't be a cry baby. Oh, don't cry. You're going to make me feel bad. Don't cry. It was like, whatever you do, don't cry. Oh, I love you, Mama. You gave me so much strength, but that really fucked me up. You know,
0: indeed, and yeah,
1: and don't teach your kids not to cry. Don't teach your boys not to cry. Letting a boy cry and feel his feelings isn't going to mean he's going to walk around crying all the time. You know, it means we're humans because there are a lot. Of, they do it in particular to boys, and I, I have two boys I've raised. It's like cry, get it. Ah, uh, you know, just cry. I'll hug you. Like get it out, and then they're good.
0: Yeah. I we catch ourselves often saying shh you know quiet you know We're trying to silence our our children or or yeah I I I'm really mindful of that when people say don't cry it makes it, you know I got bullied a lot and I had to cry in, in in private and not share it and uh I you know my hope for kids now is that what you said is just like express it you know cuz it's totally healthy and it's normal
1: and if you don't, it stays in you, and then it creates some real problems for you down the line, and they're, they're not so easy to clean up. The cleanup's not that easy.
0: Yeah. Start them young. Start them young. What lessons do you think um, you're able to share with your sons and, and with people that you work with? Because you've seen it all. You've seen the rock stars at the height of success on camera and on Instagram. Everything on paper looks amazing, and yet they're just so broken. What, what lessons are there that you can teach and share?
1: Well, I I share a lot in that way. You know, I have many times, I'm thinking of one person in particular, who I didn't really know, a a quite famous person who was really an addiction, and they were suffering. And I went over and I just said, Hey, and he looked up at me and I was like, doesn't seem like you're doing that good. Are you? Are you okay? What are you you feeling? And he was like, he kind of took a breath and he like leaned in, you know, like, he kind of leaned against me and I hugged them. And I was like, come out here for a second. I sat him down. I really looked at him. And I was like, you're in pain. And I I can see you're in addiction. And I can't imagine this is feeling good for you. Like, you have everything in the world. But you're kind of in a state of being in a coma almost all the time. You know, like, what's the point of all this? I don't know what to do. I just feel bad. You know, and he... I've done this with a bunch of artists. And and a lot of them are not artists I work with. I'm in so many studios and stuff. I just... If I see someone struggling i just say something and it's okay if they don't i've had some people it's funny i've had a couple of well-known people that i have said something you know hey i can see this is happening and they're like they'll kind of fall into your arms right like you know and share a lot and then um stayed away from me after i believe out of sort of maybe a shame of oversharing like a or I, I have, I have an artist I don't work with, but he, I work with him as a coach. Um, and he, when he's in a really bad place, he calls me and I've gotten him into rehab and I've, you know, we've done a lot of work to try to deal with his stuff. I got him with a shaman, got him with a therapist, but then a lot of times he'll avoid me when he's in addiction or in, you know, cause he, it's like a shame feeling probably. And I always say no shame, like I'm, you yeah. know, um, and he's admitted, like, you know, when I'm doing bad, I avoid you because you're a reminder of what I know I'm supposed to do, you know? Um, and that's where we can lose people. So I'm always like, please good or bad. Like I'm here. Cause I, you don't want to wake up to, you know, there's one person that I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm going to wake and get, there's a, well, more than one, there's a few that I might get that call that Mac Miller call that, you know, someone took something and it's, either an overdose or they didn't know it had fentanyl and it did or, but you know, you can only lead a horse to water kind of thing. Like I've gotten people really understanding, gotten their family on board, gotten them into rehab. And three days later, they're like, yeah, these people, I don't relate to these people and they're out and it's done. So it's, I, I just try to bring as many tools as possible. And there's some people, and I don't mention names obviously with stuff that's dark, but then there's people where I can mention, for example, like Vic Mensa comes to mind where Years ago, when we first started working together, he was talking about just some anxiousness. And I was like, you should try TM. And I hooked him up and he learned it and, and does it. And then we started exchanging books, Eckhart Tolle. And, you know, and he he's deep on stuff. And now, you know, like this weekend we were sharing, like he shared a really cool book with me. I shared Joe Dispenza with him. You know, J. Cole has always passed books. You know, like he was the first person that told me about Eckhart Tolle, who's like my idol. You know, Jay Cole was the first person to tell me that. I brought him a Joseph Campbell book once. You know, like there's these. You know, the artists who are have awareness and have these tools tend to be happy and have good balanced careers and have boundaries. And you know, I just feel like my job is for the other kids to just just throw out any tools I can to see if it'll be kind of like a a lifeline, and then if it works. And I, it, I'm not. It's not always so dire as like addiction. It could just be like. I'm 22 and now all of a sudden like I have all this money and they are booking me like crazy and I don't really have my own time and you can't tell who's around you for the right reasons and there's a lot of hang around There's a lot of pressure to like employ yeah. your friends and you know, it's this whole new thing that's just not natural. Fame is not natural. It really messes with people's psyches. So it's important to be careful around that so you don't fall into It,
0: it must be weird when you have like Hundreds of millions of people telling you, oh, you're great. You're amazing. You're amazing. But inside yourself, you don't believe it. You know, there's that lack of self-love and respect.
1: Well, and I've seen some pretty big artists. One in particular, I can think of huge artists. I I don't rep them. I wish I did. Um, And I watched them like read all the comments one time backstage. We were in a room on Instagram Wow. and really like paying attention to like the haters you know, which was like 0.02% of the comments in a way. And I was like, I said to that artist, I was like, you need to put that thing down. Like, I think artists should not look at their social media at all, actually. (laughs) Post what you got to post and get out, you know? And and a lot of them do do that. Yeah. Like you start going down that because you're at the end of the day, that person is still just a human. And so a human being, when someone says something bad about you, that you're fat or you have no talent or whatever it was that was being said or you're this or you're, you know, whatever, that it still is painful. And then that voice gets in there and starts being a voice.
0: Well, coming from a Canadian perspective where we're not really taught to brag on ourselves or, or to talk about our accomplishments, having at least people in the music scene, basketball's done it to a certain extent when the Raptors won, uh, you know, having artists like drake and sean mendez and the weekend and you know justin bieber and alessia cara it gives us finally permission to to say yes we can do it you know and the thing i loved about watching drake's rise is just the confidence you know i don't know where that came from if it was real authentic or just a shtick i don't know but it works
1: there can be confidence without being cocky like And I never thought of it from a Canadian perspective, but maybe that's why Abel is the way he is, you know, the weekend, because he's so confident, so confident, Yeah. but zero cocky and totally humble and and very boundaried and protected from all this. So it could be like his Canadian roots the same way. I think like people from the Midwest tend to be really like grounded, you know, where I come from, like, you know, you're just grounded
0: I think probably that's what your clients and, and people around you respond to is that sincerity and just be yourself, you know, cause you can smell bullshit, you know? And, and, and I think that's, that's the kind of energy that you're putting out there, at least from my observation.
1: Well, and, and being um, just a, a human who likes other humans, a lot of people in our industry tend to hang out with people in the industry.
0: True. You know, so true.
1: Um, and, and have flashy things and because, you know, I've always been like, I make a good living, but I live in like a pretty regular house. I save my money because I just want to have a good life later, you know, and I have almost all my friends where I live are like, nobody's in my industry. They don't even really, they always say, do you do publishing or what do you like? Like they don't like (laughs) my, one of my best friends is across the street and she's, you know, a woman who's a HR lady, a person in Pasadena, who's a horse trainer, who you know goes to bible study like 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 she's not who people might oh don't you hang out with all the yeah i mean yeah i have a lot of friends in the music industry and they come hang but i think it's just you hang out with people who are good people and are interesting to you and you know getting caught up in any industry a think isn't healthy
0: yeah it's for me the the benchmark or the the way i do it is if i can have somebody over for dinner that's the kind of person i want to hang out with regardless of whether they're in the business, not in the business, it doesn't matter, but just good people.
1: Yeah. You like being around them. They have good energy, you know? Yeah. Fun to talk to them. They make you laugh, you know, like, and I actually hate talking about this. I have industry <laughs> friends all the time that come over and where I live is very kind of rural ish for Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I had a, a woman come and she, she started to kind of like pitch me on something. And I was like, I, I it's like, I can't even have that conversation. Like, I just don't want to talk about our industry at all. Like it's Saturday. (laughs) Let's talk about anything. But I watched a cool video about candle making on YouTube. Want me to tell you about it? Like whatever. I just don't want to (laughs) live in that all the time. And that's another thing. I think we all have to like be good to have some balance in our life. And maybe that's where we'll have to end our conversation. I'm sure we could talk for hours. Um, Yeah. Is balance be really into your job and do a good job and build your life, but like make sure you do stuff that doesn't have anything to do with your job and like put time into relationships around you. And like, it doesn't have to, you know, I, I just think balance is super important. Self friendships, relationships work. Like if, if any one of them is dominating, then the scales are out of whack and you got to look at it. Exactly. Is your relationship taking up too much in a bad way, you know, or even a good way. like, you know, is the job too much? is there, is there, You know, you could just, it's all about balance.
0: Love it. Love it. Just one last question uh, for young people. If they were to ask you any, like, what advice would you give a young artist starting out today?
1: A young artist starting out today, I would say really understand your intention, like set a pretty clear intention of what you want to have happen. And then like really believe it, like, like spend time to generate the emotion of like, Not, oh, it's probably never going to happen, but I wish I could be signed of whatever, but like really like believe it and then be proactive. There's a lack of hustle that I've been seeing with some of my Gen Z kids around me. I'm like, I I have had kids who like, for example, intern with us and want a job and then they email me once and then they're like, oh, I never heard from you. And I'm like, dude, I had to like blow up the guy that I got a job from his name was Joe Shanahan. He owns the Metro. He's a mentor of mine. I was like a telemarketer. I straight up like was like calling there every day. His assistant knew my voice. He'd be like, hi, Catherine, Joe's not around. And I was like, "Can you please just tell him to give me 10 minutes? I'll stop calling. And he was like, finally, he, he called me and he was like, Joe can see you this week for a few minutes. And I went in there and I was like, here's what I want to do. And he was like, you seem awesome, but I don't have a job. You know, there's no job. And I said, I'll work for free. He's like, you're going to work for free. And I was like, I will work for free. I'll commit to six months working for free. And like, if you don't like what I'm doing, you tell me to go. But I really, and he was like, okay, came in. I did it for six months. He was like, you're awesome. I got hired. I got paid $18,000 a year and I was psyched. And that started the path. If I had called him once Or even just twice or three times and left it at that, it wouldn't happen. And I'm not saying like stalk people, but I have people all the time that busy people aren't looking at your email if they don't know you. They're they're not probably ignoring you. They're just not seeing it. So be persistent. Hit people up. I had a dude who DM'd me. I never knew it. He DM'd me a bunch of times and over the course of like a year. And then finally, one of his friends, he had someone hit me up like, hey, this guy's legit. Could you hit him? And I went and looked at his DM and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You, you DM me like many, many times, but I just don't look at DMs. <laughs> and I didn't even know there was different sections of the DMs. Yeah. So, you know, and 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 I discovered like a super talented person who's great. And I hooked him up with some like well-known agents and some well-known people. And now he's doing his thing. And, you know, he, the persistence. Otherwise, it would have never happened. So that's that's my advice.
0: That is so great.
1: Intention, passion persistence. The persistence is everything. Like stop thinking you should text somebody. And if they didn't hit you back, you're all like heard about it. And then that's it. Like that has to stop.
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been so inspiring. I love your energy. And, uh, yeah, I know this is going to touch, touch somebody.
1: I love that we got to hang out or have a dinner or something and I'll come on anytime you want. Yes. All right.
0: Yes. And I will tell everyone at your house party that I sell life insurance because that's what I do.
1: Great. (laughs) Let's talk about that. (laughs) It's so great seeing
0: you. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you, Catherine.
1: Bye.